Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can, and that's at Patreon.com/slash I Love That Movie. Uh, and right now, we are covering WandaVision. In fact. By the time you hear this, you will probably have heard the final episode, Uh, but we have also done The Mandalorian. We plan on doing The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so it's kind of, you know, all your bonus content for as little as a dollar a month, so join us there if you want. Uh, It's a fun place, and I want to take a moment to thank my top patrons, and they are Chris Balga, Michael Cross, Philip Barker, and Jeff Widman. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on, and if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Uh, and I have a returning guest. I have Travis. Say hi, Travis. Hello. Nice to <laughs> nice to be here again. Yes. And um, in case they haven't heard your episode that you were on previously, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah. So my name is Travis. Now, the last time we did this, we did About Time, which is kind of one of, if not maybe my favorite rom-coms Such around. Such a great movie. Yeah. yeah. No, it was, it was a fun talk, too, because there's still, like I said before, maybe people hadn't seen it. So it was fun to do. And uh, yeah, I'm my name is Travis Snail. I work for Interior Health down here in little Canada. If you don't know where Kelowna is, we probably feel more know like Vancouver, BC, Canada. That's bigger. It's kind of like three hours away from there. So okay. uh, yeah, so I work for Interior Health. So my job is a little hectic right now. I'm the, I'm the COVID clerk there. So I get lots of, I got to count these masks and make sure they're shipped the right places and whatnot. So it's, it's kind of a hectic time, but it, it I guess it keeps me busy and whatnot. So it, it's, it's been a, it's been a strange, I imagine for like everyone else, it's been a strange couple of years. So, um, yeah. And then I host a uh, Geekers podcast that kind of happens every I think three to four episodes we put out a week. It's kind of a collection of six of us that we've been friends for a long time that all live here. And then also on uh, Geek Ultimate Alliance, uh, that's uh, my Patreon or sorry, a podcast network that I host with a bunch of other people. I've been on there for a little bit, and you've guessed it on there too. And it's uh, lots mm-hmm. of fun. It's uh, lots se- of fun. Yeah, seven days a week, nine shows. So you can just follow me at Travis B. Snell. You can see a bunch of updates and whatnot. Or I'm maybe talking about the aliens from Toy Story because I quite enjoy them. So not just random <laughs> stuff there. Nice. Well, thank you for coming on. And you know, my guest always picks the movie. So, so what movie did you choose to talk about today? So I have chosen Promising Young Woman, my favorite film from 2020. All right. And this is, uh, you know, this might be a hot take episode because <laughs> I feel like, you know, unbeknownst to me, I love the film just like you did. I had some thoughts I put out there in the Twitterverse, but I did have to, you know, block a couple people. And I've noticed that the, the reviews on this are very mixed and I've been really surprised by that. But I'm excited to talk about it because I personally really loved it and I know you did. So, you know, we're going to we're going to hash it out right here. So um, 
I do want to give everyone a warning. Uh, number one, a trigger warning. This does deal with, you know, sexual assault. So if this is an episode that makes you uncomfortable, I totally understand, you know, feel free to skip, but I did want to, you know, stress that we are going to be talking about a serious topic today. And then also this show is not spoiler free. So if you are a spoiler adverse, I would go ahead and watch this movie first. I think you should anyway, but go ahead and watch it and then come back uh, because next I'm going to go ahead and read the synopsis. So here it goes. <laughs> Nothing in Cassie's life is what it appears to be. She's wickedly smart, tantalizingly cunning, and she's living a secret double life by night. Now an unexpected encounter is about to give Cassie a chance to right the wrongs of the past. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because I had stayed away from any trailers or synopsises before this movie came out because I kind of really? knew. Yeah, it was on my radar because Carrie Mulligan, I became a massive fan of. I had no idea who she was until I watched Shame with Michael Fassbender, and I, oh, I'm sure I don't I'd, think I've seen that. Oh yeah, that's a that that's a whole <laughs> different type of movie. It's very like X-rated and stuff like that. It deals with sexual addiction, but those two are just phenomenal. And and it's when Fassbender really got on my radar and stuff like that. So I saw. Her her and I was like oh who's this actress and then it just seemed like she kept appearing in things I really liked she appeared in Drive she appeared in, I, I don't care what people say oh, I yeah. love the newest Great Gatsby I watch it like quite a bit I love the soundtrack I love the look of it and everything so she just started appearing all this stuff and but I had knew I didn't know the director I'd seen like a few things she'd written but I never actually watched them but I just kind of known from okay I like, and we're, I know you and I are going to get in this too. This is not comparable to a Joker or a Taxi Driver, but I like things like Shame, like American Cycle, things that are very just. We're focused on one character for an hour and a half, two hours, like a drive that she was in. Where, the, of course, there's there's other characters in them, but if it's a drama piece about character, because I'm somebody that sometimes it sounds like it's not the norm, but I actually like character more than story. So I can put up with a lackluster story if I love the character, or if I don't really invest in the character, I'm kind of out of it that's probably why i can watch so many bad comic book movies because it's like i like this character and here we go they're on <laughs> another adventure but yeah i had not seen any trailers no synopsis and i watched it and was floored so that was kind of my first experience with it yeah i'm I, you know i'm trying to think back so i i thought the trailers looked good uh i like that they were tackling some big topics and i agree with you even though it is not just like joker and taxi driver and i think sometimes those comparisons kind of hurt people's expectations of what this yes. movie is actually about uh, but it is similar in that you're following mainly one narrative, and that is Cassie's narrative. Um, and I've been a big fan of Carrie Mulligan probably since I saw her in the movie in Education. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought she was really good in that. And but I wouldn't say I followed her super closely. I just I thought it was interesting when she was cast in this because I think had this been a few years ago, it maybe would have gone to Anna Ferris. Because I feel like there's a, like sort of a weirdly intentional like Britney Spears-esque spin on this character. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you got that vibe, but there's even the Toxic song uh, is the title <laughs> song. And I don't know, the director talked about how she likes Britney Spears. And so I kept thinking in the movie like that could have almost been her just because she's a comedian and uh, there's a lot of comedians in this movie. But I think Carrie Mulligan has a slightly different spin uh, that she brings to this than, than Anna would have. So I think they went with the right person. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I saw the trailer and it looked promising, but I have to say after watching the movie, I was just blown away. I didn't expect it to be so highly stylistic, even though there's a little bit of that in the trailer. Um, they did a lot of, you know, sharp turns with the narrative that I wasn't expecting. Um, and I think some of those expectations again, hurt, 
how people see this film, but I, for me, it's beautiful. If, if you can keep me guessing, especially with something like this, um, such a different spin on a revenge story, I, I thought it was great. So those, those are my first impressions with it. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's from, I'd say five minutes in and you talk about keeping you guessing. It's always doing that. And I remember cause I had not seen any trailers. I just kind of had, I, I kind of knew there was probably something to do with just cause I'd seen some of kind of praise or talk about after festivals and whatnot. Right. And you kind of get a idea of like, okay, this is a darker film. It's about sexual harassment, and sexual assault. So it's like, okay, I kind of get the want what they're going to be tackling here, but I didn't know exactly. And it's funny that you talk about like Anna Ferris, everything like that. And Carrie Mulligan, because I do see those vibes and it's weird because like, Emerald, I, like I said, not seen her other work, but she reminds me in a very strange way, but a way as far as like Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino has lots of films where there's some really big hits and some really big misses, but I feel like what he consistently can do is he does this good thing where there's something very drama or serious happen, and then maybe 30 seconds later, it'll switch and you could be laughing. It'll be some comedic happening. So true. That's a good comparison. Yeah, like we'll wait. Pro- yeah, we'll probably talk about some scenes later on, but there's some scenes that are just very dark, and then it flips, and you feel like you are watching a comedy, and there is times where she is comedic and that's where i think it it ended up better being in someone's hands like carrie mulligan because she can kind of play very intimidating very serious but then very kind of welcoming and comedic at times and it's funny if you look back all our other roles she kind of has many she's kind of a chameleon she's not really i can't peg her and say oh this is her type of style and yeah true yeah it's um it's a great film. It's a film that I was anticipating, but I also had worried when I went to see it. It's like, okay, when, once you anticipate a film, that happens all the time, will live up to it. And I was so surprised, especially near the back half of the movie, I feel like mm-hmm. that's when we really get twisty and turny. And that's why I, I, I was very surprised by some of the choices. And it's it's strange to have like the, the mixed reaction as far as that, because as far as just a film overall, not even talking about the themes, I think it's just a great film. It's great. It's exactly. shot well. It's acted well. It's written well. The dialogue's great. It doesn't kind of overstay its welcome. I feel like it's the perfect runtime. And we talk about the style. That's what really caught me off guard. Cause I was just there for, okay. I like, you know, the themes that's going to be tackling. I like Carrie Mulligan, but the style is just very, and for obviously she has worked in TV before, but for Emerald Fennell, it's just like, this is her first time directing. And it's really mm-hmm. impressive for a film like this. And obviously it's shown she's got lots of praise, lots of award nominations, but for kind of a first time director of a bigger feature, it's very impressive. And I, it's, she's one of those people that now I kind of a star by her name that anything she puts out, it's going to be on my radar to at least give a shot of. Exactly. And, you know, I I saw some criticisms of the aesthetic of the movie, like, because it's such a serious topic that it's somehow undercutting it. And I'm like, man, it's very like damned if you do damned if you don't like this, this is a topic that I don't think has been explored in this way almost at all on film. So yes, while it does touch on some serious topics, and I even read some things that said it doesn't go deep enough. But the thing is, you have to remember, it is a movie. And I think the main thing is, it is a thriller. So while, yes, it's touching on some of those things, it's not going to dive into them in quite the same way a different style of movie was. If it was just a drama, then you would get all that. But because she chose to do this sort of, you know, black comedy thriller, it's not going to. And I, I don't think that that means it's a bad movie. It just means it's a different movie than maybe we're used to seeing a narrative like this being told through. But it doesn't make it wrong. 
I think I hope that as we get a, a little bit further away from the project, it doesn't, you know, people kind of see that more and more. But yeah, I was surprised. I had some friends too that had a really strong reaction, like opposite of what I had. And oh, this is anti-feminist, and I was I was just blown away. <laughs> I'm like excited to defend it a little bit, but it was like, you know, at the end of the day, everybody has different opinions, and everybody has different, uh, you know, things that drive them and things that they look for. So as somebody who has a lot of hot takes, you know. I have to be a little bit understanding about if somebody doesn't agree with me too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we go too much further, I want to say I do have a couple of quick facts that I wanted to throw out there. And the first one that I have is that the title is actually a reference to Brock Turner, a Stanford University student who was convicted of sexual assault in 2016. Despite his conviction, he was referred to by some as a promising young man. And I think that really hits the heart of what this movie is kind of about. Uh, there, you know, it's a very serious topic. It's a commentary on on rape culture and today. And you know, by titling it that, it, it kind of gives you an idea that the movie is going to be serious, but then it sort of has like a little bit of an edge to it. I feel like. Well, I think it's kind of like a double entendre as well, as far as yeah. like you said, it's referencing the real world aspects, but then just promising young blank is something that's been used as a quote for many years. People use that a lot when, in sports for athletes, right? Like, oh, look at this promising young gentleman and promising young female, like, because they're mm-hmm. coming up or they're in college or something like that. So it's something that, especially too, when we get into it later about certain characters, someone was a promising young woman. They had a path, they had a future that was going really well, and then someone kind of pulled them and made them do a detour. So for multiple reasons, it works really well the title and i think it just yes. kind of catches your eyes right away in my opinion when i was like okay this this is good. like what route are we going and I, I think for all those reasons you listed it's a good one mm-hmm. and and my second uh quick fact was that upon scoring the lead role carrie mulligan was sent a playlist by the director emerald uh fennel that would set the mood for the film including toxic by britney spears which is featured twice mm-hmm. uh fennel is a self-declared massive fan of britney spears considers the song to be one of the best of all time although it is a cover <laughs> <laughs> to throw that in there. But at the same time, she wanted to rebel against the dismissive notion that female pop culture is a guilty pleasure and therefore made it an integral part of the audiovisual side of the film. I have to say the soundtrack is killer. I love it so much. I, I absolutely love if, if you guys even don't like the movie, I think you would like the soundtrack. But this just makes me love it even more because I'm a big fan of pop music and I like, you know, growing up and throughout my life, I've sort of downplayed the fact that I like it. I'm like, oh, I have terrible taste in music, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, you know, for some reason, pop always gets, I think, unfairly uh, shit on (laughs) as a genre. And it's one of the genres that is largely fronted by women. um, And that has not escaped me that you know, it kind of bothers me that people uh, put it down so much. And I, I understand the manufactured nature of pop, but I think that it's a legitimate genre. And I love that she has love for that genre and for Britney Spears. So just wanted to mention that. <laughs> yeah, I have more stuff about the pop as we get into it and we get in some bigger scenes, but I think it all works really well. And this, the soundtrack, like you said, is fantastic. I have it saved in my Spotify. Once I heard that toxic violin version, Oh my yeah, goodness. So I was searching a bunch of different violins, like covers. I, it just got me in a mood because like it works well for the, the actual movie when we get to that, but the actual song is just great. I'm like, how does this work so well for Vi-? like, it's very ominous and kind of has this epic feel to it, especially when that scene. But I, I think pop is kind of, 
the go-to kind of knee-jerk reaction is to hate it because I was talking about this with one of our patrons at Geek First as far as I remember when I was 11 or 12 or whenever she was getting big and like Lady Gaga was getting big and I just sit in the car like oh this music uh, not for me like my mom goes <laughs> oh this is cheesy and whatnot and I listen to Lady Gaga at least once a week now you know and it's just because pop is just it's so like, to me pop I listen to the most is if I am tired or I'm going to work or bike riding stuff like that it just kind of is a good thing to get you going like do a leap I'm a big fan of right now on Halsey it just I think there are people that kind of abuse pop and just write some very generic stuff oh, and that's sure. what goes out there and everything like that but there's some really talented people and I think this meshes with the film well because mm -hmm. we'll get into more but it's kind of like on the surface you're just hearing pop and stuff you're like, oh it can't be that harmless but then especially when you get into talks and stuff like that it, it's it uses it very well and uh the whole and just soundtrack alone very well done Agreed. And I mean, you know, it's kind of you, you made a comparison to Drive. I think, you know, Drive has an incredible soundtrack yes. as well. And it's a little different from those types of films. And I think, you know, that sort of neon noir genre doesn't have that type of soundtrack that Drive does typically. And I think that's why it kind of stands out. And it's so cool. And in the same way, I think, you know, you would maybe expect different music in a movie like this, but it's 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 different. And it really works with the tone of the film. Uh, the last one that I have is with this film, Emerald Fennel is actually the first woman to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Director for a debut film. Hmm, there you go. Yeah, it's interesting. We've come, I feel like there's been a lot of pressure on Hollywood in the last few years, especially in the wake of Me Too, um, in terms of increasing diversity and you know making sure that more women are kind of front and center in Hollywood in general, and then also during Academy season. And I think we're getting some really great stuff out of that. You know, it's not reducing, you know, any other types of films, if anything, it's just increasing uh, more, more good films from different perspectives. And, you know, just, there's at least a couple, I think, up for a couple women up for best director this year. So Chloe Zhao for yeah. um, Nomadland. Nomadland. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, you know, it's not like they're pushing the male directed films out of the way. Right. Like there's still male directed films. It's just that <laughs> if, yeah, there's some more people. films now. <laughs> Some people who just, I don't know, just still kind of don't get it. Think, oh, well, this is the thing. It's just, no, I feel like there's a more eyes on diversity now, where before it was just kind of a tunnel vision, unfortunately. And yeah, as, it, was kinda, and I, it was a club. You're When you're in the club and the people that you trust and the people that you choose to elevate, that's just how it had been forever. It just, it just needed to change. And I think, you know, 10 years from now, people will think it was silly that everyone was so upset about it. <laughs> oh, 1000%. Like Steve Yoon, who got nominated for uh, Minari. I can't know how, I don't know how to say Minari, it. Minari, I think. Minari, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it yet. But when I had seen that stat of like, it was the first time in, I think like 75 years or something that a, a lead Asian actor had been nominated, I was floored. I could not yeah, believe Yeah, it's like that. you don't, you almost don't notice. And I think that's what, that's what people don't understand is that they think it's so, you know, some people are like, oh, you're calling us this or that. You, you, you're saying that we're putting people down intentionally. Well, you know, sometimes it's not 100% intentional, but it doesn't mean it's not happening. And then when you see something like that, you're like, wow, you know, this, this is a, if he's the first in the past 70 years, like something's wrong. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of Asian actors. So yeah, it's uh it's it's a good thing and and I see it as a good thing. But um, yeah, I, I feel like people should look at it because I think some people have a bad vision of it. It's not taking any chairs away; it's just adding more chairs for everyone, you know. And some exactly. people get it in exactly. this mind that it's against them. It's just like no, like you said, it was to be honest. People don't want to say it, but it was kind of like a boys' club for many years, and that's Hollywood yeah. in general, which is still hopefully needs a lot more work and change. But 
this these are steps to it and the thing is oh yeah to me it's not like i see these and i go oh these are deliberate they're cho-. no they're chosen because of quality at least for me and i've not seen every single film that really swing twain but come time oscar season i do try to see the majority of these ones so i can at least have opinion and i'm not gonna be like my grandma and go i think avatar should win i go what else have you seen grandma and she goes i haven't seen any one of these other films like okay grandma thanks so like i always try to, yeah i always try to and then that's sort of to me all these people that have been nominated for the majority and especially her to me feel warranted yeah i have so many critiques about award season and yet i watch it every year so (laughs) it's you can simultaneously be both where you really feel like things need to change but hey i'm sorry i get excited when the oscars come on um so yeah uh to get more into this film um what do you want to talk about next do you want to talk about the cast or oh that's that's tough i'm not I can start with the cast because I have a point to bring up as far as casting, okay. directing, and the director. Yeah, That's why I it. think she did a great job, especially because right away, and I remember I was telling my fiance about this because she's a massive fan of the OC, and Adam Brody's in this. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like I was trying to sell her on this. And not because she didn't want to see him, just like, oh, this person's in it. And this is before I had seen it. So I'm like, Adam Adam Brody is listed in the cast list and all this stuff. And the guy who plays <laughs> Literally McLovin. the worst character possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it, when you're looking on paper, you're like, look at all these nice, fun actors that you brought, talked about comedy-wise. But I think that works in two ways as far as two or one, they are doing the sometimes the black comedy route, but two, they take these actors, especially the guy, Christopher Men's Plants and like Adam Brody, people that have notoriously played like good guy characters or like nerdy, geeky, like lovable characters like McLovin mm-hmm. when Superbad came up. That was the, yeah. you know, that was a gift before gifts were really popular. Like everything about that character. If you watch the OC around that time, that character was kind of like the nerdy crush for everyone, you know? So right when you see Adam Brody in this movie, he's with his kind of dirtbag friends and you go, okay, he is going to play the classic Adam Brody role where he's the good guy. He's going to stand up and maybe this is a meet cue. And especially this is me as someone that had not seen any trailers. So I had no idea where it was going. So I like, oh, this could be the Miku. He's a nice guy, something like that, or something happens. I don't know. And then they take him and other characters who, like I said, have notoriously played, or other actors who played notoriously nicer, trustable characters. They switch them. And I think that works because it's kind of like the pop music as well, where the pop music, yeah, on its surface might just be pop music and lovable and whatnot. But if you go beneath it, especially like a song like Toxic, there's much more to it. So it's the same thing with these guys as far as you're picking these on the surface looking like harmless people. And sometimes you talk about the Brock Turner, things like that, the promise young man. Those can be the worst. And I think it's not even to show like, hey, this type of person's the worst. It's just to show anybody could be doing something bad and you exactly don't know there's and not I, like a look for no. somebody who is an abuser or commit or a criminal and uh yeah you've got adam brody uh you know we already mentioned carrie mulligan clancy brown jennifer yes. coolidge of all people <laughs> like seeing her i was like yes uh laverne cox um who you know plays like her boss in the cafe mm-hmm. you've got uh allison brie uh, you already mentioned christopher mintz uh, Place, I hope I'm saying that right. And then uh, Bo Burnham, the probably the character that betrays us the absolute most in the film <laughs> towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I agree with you. I think they picked really you know lovable, friendly people. And then uh, some of the characters do things that you're just totally shocked by. Um, and it's it's painful to see some of some of the people that we really like act in these ways but it it points out something you know true that it's not like people that are bad have a certain look and in fact a lot of the people that get away with bad things are very charismatic and uh they can be good looking too so 
um yeah i think i think that's interesting oh i forgot to mention molly shannon man there's just so many good people connie, connie Britton. Britton, yeah she's yeah, yeah. and it, that's what i couldn't believe like this felt this felt like an avengers endgame but of really good actors yes. right it's like who are like because all these people just keep popping up and they're just alfred molina like they're all in, like these little yes. roles that are and they're all great too like it doesn't just feel like they're here for a cameo or here for a scene then they're gone they all feel like they show up to do their role really well and play the part. And you brought up Bro Burnham. He is like the, it's so funny because I've never actually seen him. I don't think in anything really. I loved eighth grade. I'm not sure if you've ever seen yes, that. Yes, eighth direct- grade was wonderful. That was, that changed my entire view of him because I, I had seen some of his stand up mm-hmm. and it was like too young for me, honestly. Like it was something that my friend's little brother was into. And I was thinking, man, when I was a teenager, I would have really liked this, but it's kind of, <laughs> It's kind of just, it's too young for me now. Mm -hmm. But then when I saw eighth grade, I thought, man, this guy has some serious like empathy, compassion and understanding of human nature, like just so impressed with it. So imagine my betrayal and seeing him in this because he's so lovable for like 90% of the film until you see some, some bad sides to him. Well, yeah, and, th- and that's the because I guess I've actually never seen a stand up, but when eighth grade was making the rounds, he did a lot of press and stuff like that. And same thing as kind of Adam Brody on surface and not anything against him in real life, but lovable guy, charismatic, but kind of that nice, friendly, kind of approachable vibe. And he has that very because this- he seems very normal. Like yes. I was telling my husband that when we watch it, I was like, this seems like somebody we know. Like, 100%. I mean, some of that could be because he's kind of maybe a little bit close to my age, but also because. He just doesn't he doesn't act like an actor. He acts like a like a regular person. Like he's not doing like a style of acting. He's just kind of himself. And so I'm like, oh, lovable, dorky goof, you know, (laughs) and then curveball. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially because she's on this path of hopefully trying to maybe go a different route in her life, give some stuff in the past and seem like, okay, this could be the perfect guy. And I wasn't 100 percent which way they were going to go. The only thing that tipped me off a little bit to I was worried that he might be. A suspect was when he says, Oh, I'm still kind of friends with those people. And that's when I was like, Oh, no, like, is that going to come back later? And it does. But I think, as far as his performance and how they cast it again, perfect because he comes off non threatening. He doesn't come off exactly, intimidating. Yeah. He doesn't come, even that one line he says about still being friends with them, they move along and then it's all lovable dates. And he's singing, like, embarrassing himself in the gas station and singing a Paris Hilton music, which that Paris Hilton song I forgot actually existed till I saw this movie. Me I was like, too. Right, and I was, was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> It's I like, forgot about that song. Yeah, I, like I forgot about that she had a singing career and it used to be on the radio. But like even that montage, you want things that I'm sure we'll talk more about the characters in general. But like you want things to work out for her, and obviously it doesn't. But that character does a good job of kind of almost kind of making you feel all right. Like oh, it is going to work out. Like eventually we could find a place, but obviously it doesn't go that route. There are a few things that he did that were red flags to me. But I was telling myself, oh, like you're being too hyper realistic. You're reading into it. And then in hindsight, and I guess that's kind of one of the points she was making too, how sometimes when people feel a certain way or or when someone is disarmingly charming, they actually, he had a few red flags, but I dismissed them just like she does. And then in the end, it's like, oh, how could I have not seen this coming? But we'll talk about that. Um, Next, let's talk about uh, some of your favorite scenes. I'm not going to dive too much into the director herself because this is her debut film. So Mm -hmm. we'll go ahead and talk about the movie instead. Uh, I think the first there's there's two. I guess I'll start at the very beginning and just kind of we talked about a little bit as far as the twists and turns. 
we talked about that in Brody scene already. And there's the guys and stuff. He brings her home. And I remember, cause I wasn't sure I, I had an idea like, okay, this is going to be a kind of revenge kind of get back vengeance sort of film dealing with rape culture and sexual assault. So I was the first scene. It's very uncomfortable. It's paced very mm-hmm. slowly. And it's just, it's just monotonous on purpose in my opinion of just like, it yes. just is awful. And you go, okay, is this going to be the first instant it kind of gets her on this path? But I remember the two things of one, when she sat up, that was just great because there's a score, but it just cuts. It's dead silent. And his expression is great. Like they both sell it so well, but she comes off so scary in that moment and threatening. And it doesn't matter that she might be smaller than him and whatnot. She feels like she has the power of the entire room is just sucked into her. Now, the other thing is too, that when she, we kind of get into the credits when she's eating like the jelly donut and she has the gel on or whatnot. But I felt like they are trying to show did, she killed this person what happened and kind of that first chunk of you see the book and she's doing all this stuff so that's where i saw as myself that's american psycho fan and clearly he's mm-hmm. not a good guy but it's just i had that vibe like oh is this what she's doing she's taking them out and you still don't until about maybe half an hour later find out that it's more just threatening them finding out but really kind of psychologically messing with them but i think that opening scene sets the pace in many ways but just her performance just that sit up and like i said when she looks at the construction guys and she just is she like I said, she's scary in a good way, but she's she plays those scenes so well at the very beginning to kind of get you to know this character, and right away you know you don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you know what the path of this character is and what her one of her goals is at least. Yes, and I think you know a lot of things she does in the movie. Um, it's so surprising because she's free of the constraint of what I think women in the r- real world have to deal with. And that's fear. Well, yeah, a hundred percent of what you mentioned with this scene and then Brody scene. And it's funny because you guessed it on our one review for the geek ultimate Alliance. And you brought up a great point about, when they had kind of some of that stuff in Wonder Woman and you said that, oh, lots of these films always do the stuff in the past because it goes, oh, look at how bad we were back then. But, you know, things are better. But it's like, no, things really aren't. There's still these stereotypes and there's still these problems. And that's where it's a, it's it's good to see in a film like this. Like it's taking day in present day. It's not to say, oh, in the 90s, she did this or something. It's present day <laughs> yeah. kind of turning on sale. Like you said, for whatever reason, whether it's Adam Brody realizing, hey, maybe I am the bad guy or I'm doing something wrong here or he's just scared for what might happen or these guys were like you said they would expect a female just to walk away because legitimately you know another cast as far as having problems whatnot but i i will say that unless you're a white or like a white straight male you probably have to worry about walking down a street sometimes whether it's in daytime or nighttime that's not anything i've had to experience i've never had to worry about not getting a job because of my skin color or my sexual orientation i've not really had to worry about walking down a bad alley or anything like that because of the way I look or where I was born. And I think that is something that this film is constantly putting out, but this is a character that is rebelling about that. And plus you kind of, again, like I was saying earlier, you understand now the past she's on and we'll talk more about this, but she's, she is in a way of not that she doesn't care, but she has nothing to lose at this point. That's what I was going to say. A lot of women would not turn around and confront a construction worker. A lot of women wouldn't, you know, turn on a guy and say, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And and talk to them in this way because they have a lot at stake. And uh, in fact, a lot of the characters in the movie cover up and do certain things because they have a lot at stake. And she's just at this point in her life, she's kind of, especially towards the end of the film, she's self-destructive in some ways, a very tragic and tortured person. And so she's, yeah, she's free from some of these social constructs, but at the same time, she's not happy about it you know it's just that pain and that grief is allowing her to operate outside of social norms 
But, you know, that that's just such so interesting because at first you could be like, you know, is this saying like, oh, if only women were rebelling enough, they would do all this. It's like, not really. It's saying that because of the position she's in, that's why she's doing these things. Well, yeah, it's because she's living the life sh- the way she is because it's her kind of second life. It's a plan B life. Mm-hmm. It's not the life she was on. It's probably nowhere near the life she was on, whether she went to schooling, whether what happened to Nina, as far as some different past could have been like this specific instant one night that ruined Nina's life also had an effect on her. And as far as like another scene I'd bring up is I think the birthday scene with her parents, which you shout them out. They do such a great job, especially her, because <laughs> yeah. I always see her in friends or American pie. Like she's in these very, yeah. she plays like a very kind of funny kind of kooky mom in this movie, but still she has some serious modes. So that was nice. And Clancy Brown's all always good like he's kind of like a national treasure as far as he's that definitive like best actor as far as that guy sort of deal that's him but they have this great scene where they give her a suitcase they talk about her birthday everything like that but then it kind of breaks down to you know you haven't been the same in a very long time and you know and i'm kind of mixing some scenes when they say nina felt like a daughter us too but they're kind of explaining to her that since nina has been gone you went right with her. You may be here as a person, but that doesn't mean you're actually here in this room. You're not locked in this conversation. You're not locked into your life. You're just, you go, you make some money to sustain yourself at your job, and then you go do what you do at night, and then she just repeats, 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 and she is no, at the point we meet her in this beginning, this first half, she's no really escape plan. She's not planning on, oh, I'm going to do this till a certain point and then stop. She's just a machine at this point. She's just going in because the circumstance of what happened in her past have kind of made her that way. And I think that's a really great scene with her and the parents on the birthday. And she, same thing, does she forgets it's her birthday. She doesn't really care about the gift. She doesn't really want to, not that she dislikes her parents, but she just has no interest in a celebration of any sort, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing as far as, I think people can relate to that. Now I can't relate to that on that level, but we all have things, whether it is losing a jaw, whether it's losing a friend or a parent or something sad where, okay, you can for a day, a few weeks, not feel like yourself. And it doesn't matter what people may say they could try to buy you something to remind you of time but you might just be in a certain situation unfortunately for this character cassie she's kind of locked in this mindset for her whole life but i think that is relatable as far as we've all had times where we've not felt like ourselves, or we've not hurt other people but disappointed or made them sad by just seeing how we are and the hope is that we work your way out of it and if people listen to this and are in that like there's lots of help out there look online talk to your friends and family but sometimes it is just a it's a you thing and you're locked in your little world for a little bit but unfortunately for cassie she's just like very locked like in an asylum because it's just it's such a bad thing to happen you can't really course correct that that's something you can't really come back from you know mm-hmm. i think you know the subject matter of the film or what what causes her grief what causes her her friend nina to take her life the trauma of that i think is something that's not always explored or understood uh in in movies and you know, this idea about just moving on and like, you know, yes, Nina's gone. We all have to move on, blah, blah, blah. I think to her, it's like, how do you move on from something that horrific, uh, from such a huge betrayal and from something that she never got any justice for? So to her, she's sort of stuck in that moment because nothing changed. You know, it's like this happened to Nina and everyone else just went on with their lives and Nina was trapped in her grief and trauma and eventually took her own life and I think you know Cassie's left behind going didn't that matter that that happened and you know instead we're not talking about it and we're all just moving on it's not resolved you know in her mind she didn't have any closure and I think this character there's no real great closure for what happened um 
And I think that's where I, I like disagree with how some people felt about the end of the film. I don't think the character Cassie had any possibility, I hate to say, of a good outcome just because of the way the circumstances in the movie happened. Not to say that in real life, if things had gone a different way, she wouldn't have. But for the this particular character and for what's going on in the film, I don't think she would have had real closure. And, you know, like I said, something that happens in a movie is different from real life. In real life, I do think you should find closure and, you know, move on and all that stuff. But in this film, I don't think they set us up to think that this character would have closure, if that makes sense. No, I think it does. And I think you're, like I said, 100% right as far as definitely there's help out there. People care about you. But the unfortunate thing is that there are situations where this is the case, not this exact same story or set of circumstances, but the fact that there are sometimes, unfortunately, some people that get on a path or down a road that they can't escape from. And I think that's the thing that this film tries to tackle and show. And I think you're right. Cassie was all that day where um, Alison Brie uh, visits her and gives her the tape and then she finds out about Bo Burnham's character, all the sort of things it's kind of this spiral down. And if there was any hope, it was kind of that middle section of the film where, okay, there might be a pivot, but like you're talking about where, and thankfully nothing like this ever happened to me. I hope it doesn't hope it doesn't happen to anybody that's listening. But if you lose somebody like I was talking about earlier, that's a natural course of life. It happens, but then you can kind of snap out of it because you go, okay, that's what happens in life. People pass away. They might get sick, whatever it may be. But for her and this character of Nina, she's taken from her and she's taken from this world. And the other thing is you would think that maybe there's a slight chance that if all these same events happen with Nina, but they right away found these people, found out there was justice done, things like that. Maybe there is a healing process. Maybe there is, I can move on. But the fact that all this terrible stuff happened and the other people just went on with their lives and their lives kind of got better, unfortunately. They all went on to do yes. have their jobs and get that's, married and yeah. have kids. And that's the thing where it's like, if that person was caught and put in prison, I think you could eventually try to cope with that and feel that because that person's getting what they deserve. But with these people that are just kind of getting a free pass, I think that's where you kind of see this character right up to the middle where all these people are telling her to come back, drop it. And she thinks maybe I should. But then obviously, like we said, we get this big reveal and she's kind of put that path because she doesn't feel like anything's worth it now. But this to get back at these people that wronged her friend, wronged her. And that's the thing where it's just. I agree with you. There wasn't a happy ending, if you want to call it, for this character. Because even if she will talk about the ending, but even if she was still alive and all these things happened, she wouldn't be happy. There was no, there's, there's not going to be a story where, oh, I did what I did and I can, you know, go on with my life. There's still other fault that was happening. So yeah, it was always going to be, going to be a tragic ending, unfortunately. Yeah. So I have some theories on why there couldn't really be justice at this point. Um, and I'll ask you and see if you agree with me and probably someone out there smarter than me can, can definitively say, but yeah, I agree. I think her character is kind of like, uh, people that have a a loved one that's missing or was, was murdered Mm -hmm. and how, you know, even when you get the answers, it's, it's like, they don't get real closure because what happened was so horrible. You know, it's not the same as like someone just passing away. Uh, I think the circumstances are why her grief and her trauma are so different from a, a typical, like, I don't want to say typical, but of, of a natural death. Yeah, loss, yeah. Uh, yeah, and loss. And um, I think, too, like, her her revenging the end is really smart because it points out some problems, I think, with the justice system and uh, the way that crimes like this are handled. Um, but I don't know if I want to jump too far ahead uh, to say that, but... I. We'll talk about it, I guess, when we get there. Um, 
if I if I was to tell you a couple of scenes that I really liked, um, I, you know, I I liked like you mentioned the scenes where she kind of uh, turns things on the heads of the people that she's dating. But uh, there's that scene with uh, Connie Britton um, where she threatens, you know, basically her daughter and says like, "Oh, your daughter's in this, you know, uh, room with these men and." they're drinking lots of vodka and she's 16 and they're adults and, you know, hopefully you trust them. And, you know, that's a part of the movie where I was starting to maybe almost turn on the main character because I thought, man, this is, this is going to really dark place, even though she's frightening her. um, And I understand why it's still like, it's just such an uncomfortable uh, concept. Now, of course, like in every scene, her true method of terror is just, scaring you she never actually harms anyone at all she just wants to point out in that situation that you know put yourself in the shoes of you know people say like what if this happened to your daughter and it really shouldn't take that for us to be empathetic but often it does and i think it's smart this situation and the situation with allison brie i think brought up a really good point about how when it comes to rape culture it's not just I mean, on you know, unfortunately to say it's not just the rapists, but it's also the enablers around them that are protecting themselves, their reputation, their livelihood, and how that seems to take precedence over, over justice and over, you know, what happened to the victim. Well, yeah, if you look, especially right now in the world today, that's a big thing as far as not only just the oh, sure. person doing the crime, but it is the people around them, like you said, enabling them and just in, in many walks, whether it is crime, whether it's just stuff in Hollywood where it, it's tough because there's all these things as far as people worry about their career and a bunch of stuff. So it's always a complicated issue, but I think that's a good thing they make this film and Cassie a complicated character because like you said, in that moment you go, you are in a sense, it, it's strange, right? Because it's it's a darker film. So you are in a sense of rooting for her to show these people, teach them a lesson. But there are certain lines where ah, I don't want you to cross that. And I've always said this before where I it's a very controversial movie. It's not perfect, but that's one of the reasons why I did like Joker. I don't think it's like this movie in that sense where people had compared it. But there's at the very early on where you go and just the Joker in, care, in general as far as the character has go, you could be with him to a certain point and then there's a line drawn. And the thing is she never crossed that line, but the problem is I think she's also torn because we don't know exactly what was going to happen when she goes to see Alfred Molina and she had that guy in his parking lot. We don't exactly know what was going to be the outcome. Of yeah. That, you at know? the very least she was going to uh, have him beat up. Yes. And I think, I think that's another thing about the film is that a lot of times when she's punishing people, she's just scaring them. But then when she gets some more, as she gets closer and closer to the end of the film and as she becomes more and more unstable in her grief and despair, she gets closer and closer and closer to just being violent. And I think one of the points the movie is trying to make is that, you know, sexual assault is a violent crime. It's not a gray area in the sense that like, Oh, well, is it violent? Is it this? Is it? No, it's, it's violence. It's violence against women. And I think her character is trying not to cross that line of true violence because that's the whole point of what she's trying to prove is that it is violence. And if she becomes violent also, then it's like almost invalidating what she's doing. That's kind of how I read it. So it's like she got really close with Molina and then she doesn't do it. And then there's that scene with the uh, construction guys. And I think that's, we're supposed to be like, dude, she's like about to kill somebody. Mm -hmm. Like she's about to cross that line. 
Um, she got very, very close to it, I think. Well, yeah, and there's um, that moment yeah. as well, too, when she stopped at her car in the middle of the road and the guy. Yes. You know, and like, and th- this is a case where, okay, this guy didn't need to hawk at her so much. But if you look at that route, she is in the middle of the road and she's having a, kind of a nervous breakdown. And, but he's just telling her to get out of the way. But because she's slipping, she takes out like a crowbar and just destroys this man's vehicle for, yeah, maybe he should have just drove away and drove aside. That's the thing where you don't need to be rude about it. You could, you don't know if that cur- person's car is broke down and whatnot. So, but usually in real life that's not what would tip you off to you maybe that person <laughs> yeah. a finger it's, or it shows that she's unstable and that she's becoming violent and i think it's sort of a red herring for us too because we haven't seen the nurse costume yet at this point mm-hmm. it seemed very sinister she had all those little tools and everything so we're thinking okay this is going to lead up to her killing people i mean that's kind of what i was thinking at that moment once i think 1000 percent. if we're talking about like favorite scenes and whatnot as far as the ending that whole sequence is really good but it gives her that like and again when we say it's i make these compare to comparisons to other movies but it's not the same themes but it is that sort of uh solo story character driven as a darker path if you look at some of the ending acts of like tra- taxi driver you know his head is shaven bald things like that in joker he has the makeup american psycho he's covering the blood so this was her like I think they were on, and that's why when people compare the films, I understand. But when they say they're the same, it's not because I think that is a red herring of like, this is supposed to be her in essential, you would say, like law breaking criminal look, right? All those mm-hmm. examples I just gave were people that put on the new look and then after that they were gone. Travis Bickle shop an apartment. Sure, there are some bad people in there, but that's not what you do. In Joker, he goes and kills Rob De Niro. In American Psycho, he completely yeah. has a psychotic break. So usually when they put on these last kind of costumes or images you okay this is the point where she's going to jump to that and she's even once she has him tied down she's threatening that she's going to carve nina's name into him all this stuff but it was just that's how it kind of plays with your expectations and reverses them on you because you expect that's what turns the narrative on its head because we're used to these characters turning into the villain at the end so this is her villain outfit and yet she isn't a villain in fact she's using that that motif to show who the real villain actually is a hundred percent. And we're just not used to seeing that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I I remember like, I I know some people were kind of also upset about the Alison Brie scene, you know, where she gets her really drunk Mm -hmm. and then she's proving to her like anyone can get drunk. And I think that that happens a lot in this movie. She shows a lot how like alcohol has become this sort of, uh, you know, get a, get out of jail free card that 100%. society uses. Yeah, and the reality is, everyone gets drunk. Like every gender gets drunk. Every age get you know the, once you're legal age, of course. Uh, but like people get drunk at parties. It's not a good excuse to say you know. Well, you know, she was always getting blackout drunk. Okay, but you know. There's a lot of people that get blackout drunk and nothing happens to them. And people, you know, have their back, protect them. And number one thing, there's not a predator in the room. Well, yeah. Um, and so that's where the focus should always be is on the person who is committing the crime and not on the person drinking. And I think she does that so well with the Allison Brie character, but also at the cabin too, where she, I mean, these guys have never met this woman that shows up. Nobody even remembers who ordered her. Turns out none of them did. No. <laughs> and she's just squirting shots into all their mouths, a complete stranger. And they're all like, they felt, those guys felt safe because they don't think a woman would do that. And they don't anticipate it. But guess what? You shouldn't have to have this high level of trust to be cover your drinks, you know, all the time because nobody should be poisoning anyone ever, you know. And that's the point she's trying to make is like, this is 
this is just a crime. It's not okay to like roofie someone or intentionally feed them drinks till they pass out. That is wrong. Um, and, and I thought the movie did such a smart way of illustrating that in those two scenes. No, I agree. And this is a, a personal topic because for me, if people don't know, I'm straight edge. So my whole life, I've never had a smoke. I've never done any drugs, never drank any alcohol. And that's just because I came from a family where one person in particular was a big alcoholic. And right away that set me on the like, well, that's not fun. Doesn't matter. I'm never doing that. And also too, I just hate vomiting. So I would never want to be hungover. <laughs> I, it is the yeah, worst, probably not a good idea. It is the worst then. thing in the world. So that's why like, I'm never drinking. So I've never drunk. And that's where it's just, it's, it's, it's a weird disconnect that society has where, you know, alcohol is not bad, but you can't drink it while you're at work. You can't drink it while you drive. But then if it was a case like this, oh, well, the person was drinking. Well, if it's illegal to do in these certain situations, to me, if it would be fine to drink at work, drink while driving, then you could try to stand on those legs. But how come sometimes society deems that alcohol is bad here, but it's not bad over there or it's not hurting someone over there. It's never really made much sense to me. And that's something I had to grow with a lot because when I started dating and whatnot, once people started drinking, that's when I knew, okay, my time is done as far as I'm not going to be asking for anyone's number. I'm not going to be doing anything because you are, you are at an advantage with anybody, not even dating. If it's somebody you're talking to a friend, if you're not drinking, you have the clear advantage. If they have drunk it enough where they are starting to get drunk or under the influence you have the advantage and in any situation where someone has the advantage that should be looked upon as illegal if something illegal is done because that person is knowingly taking advantage they know the play they know they they have the whole map because you all they have to do is keep feeding this person drinks or they may you know that person may not remember anything if that person is clear-headed and that's where like myself i would never same thing now with my fiance eventually once she started drinking okay we could come home and i could you know stuff like that we could have a life together and all these things. But I never did that as far as meeting people. Cause even talking to someone, getting their number, it's like, did they really mean this? Did they not, you know? And luckily she's not someone that drinks that much. And she never had a problem where that was a big thing for me too. When I was younger, once people found your drink, you were deemed as like, I don't know, a church loving boy. And you have no problem. People <laughs> they go to church, but I've never been to church. That's not my thing, but it alcohol is, it's a funny it's funny that the way society looks at, but to me, anytime someone's drinking under an influence, like I said, you have the clear advantage and that situation should be looked upon as you are the, you're almost dealing with a child in that situation. You are the person in control. So if you do something bad, you have no excuses. You have no excuse whatsoever to say, Oh, well, the person was drinking. If you're not drinking, you knew exactly what you're doing. And I think this movie, like you were saying, does try to put that forward as far as why is this an excuse? Why is this kind of like, the monopoly get out of jail free card and it's been used many times in real life right you know it's been like oh well the yep. person was drinking doesn't cabin on yeah <laughs> yeah it does, that doesn't yeah. give a free pass well you know growing up uh this is my like quick soapbox moment but growing <laughs> up i remember watching you know comedy central a lot and uh which i also feel like it's no accident that there's a lot of comedians in this because the comedian world has some of these issues but um I I remember that they would show like later at night, like the uh, Girls Gone Wild videos. Mm-hmm. And as a young girl watching that and a teenager, I remember just thinking it was really, really, really wrong. But at the time, you know, it wasn't like people did not think it was wrong to give you know, as long as they were adults, women, a bunch of alcohol and then go, okay, now that you're really drunk, show me your boobs. And they go, okay. And I, but I remember as a, as a, kid like and as a teenager telling people like think of it this way what if i got you really really drunk and then i'm like okay sign this mortgage you know uh you're really really drunk buy this car like there's a reason why that's not okay because you know that that person 
And I know that there's some situations where people wine and dine their clients. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting someone blackout drunk and giving them a pen Mm -hmm. to sign something. And that's essentially what they would do to these girls. They would be so drunk and they'd come up to them and go, here, sign this, sign that, and then take a bunch of pictures of them. Sometimes it was honestly just porn and they were like stage videos, but some of them were just young women that were completely under the influence and didn't really know what was going on. And they were taken advantage of. And it took years for people to realize that that was messed up. And suddenly it really only changed when a bunch of these women were like underage and were like, Hey, they didn't even ideas. Mm-hmm. And you know, now my whole life is ruined. My career's ruined because of these stupid videotapes that I would have never been a part of had I been sober. And also I was a minor. Um, just want to remind everybody. Okay. Just throwing some shade out there. The Kardashians were heavily involved with that guy that did those tapes. Just saying. Yeah. I don't know if people know that. But anyway, in in hindsight, it is literally just so cringy and illegal and terrible. But for a long time, it was totally fine. I mean, I remember like like men in my family making jokes like, what's the drunk college girl mating call? Or what's the uh, what's the mating call for college? I'm so drunk. I mean, it was like completely acceptable. Well, and it's crazy to think about that now, how different things are now. <laughs> well, oh, 100%. And it's it's not that long ago. And you look at, we were no, talking about, no. you know, the McLovin character. If you look at the plot of Superbad, and it's yes. not because things change, right? And I still find that movie's funny. Lots of movies sure, are dated. Sure, sure. You so can you, put things in their place, but yeah, you can the, also see the potential for, yeah. Yeah, the whole plot of that movie is we need to get liquor because we can get these girls drunk and maybe they'll sleep with us. That's the whole plot of the movie. And yeah, they go on adventures with cops and there's all these fun shenanigans. So like you said, you have to look at it and it comes and go, okay, the times, what was it? But that was 12, 13 years ago and that narrative is just finally starting to go away of hey if someone's drunk they're not in the right mind and what they do or you can't make people do things or what they do should not be taken as what they would do while they're in their real life or sober but it's it, there's many plots that, that that's a huge common kind of teen trope right of getting the liquor getting someone drunk and whatnot and it's something that does need to be addressed and also talk about this film does that but it's something in society that still is hopefully going away more and more with each passing year. It shouldn't be a thing anymore, but sometimes with these terrible things and deeds that have been done, they really take some kind of kind of wringing of the water to get away from, you know, it, it, it's not mm-hmm. an overnight thing. Unfortunately, we all wish we could and snap our fingers and this could be fixed, but it's not. But the more it's talked about, I think is good. And I think that's the thing where maybe sometimes some certain people when they watch this movie are reminded of their life that maybe they had, and maybe they don't do that anymore, but still they might be reminded of, Oh, I'm going to go buy this girl a bunch of drinks. And maybe they're looked at as, so, Oh, well now I'm a, I'm not a terrible person. I didn't mean it like that. So I think there are some people when they see this movie, maybe they kind of shine. It's a, a little triggering for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And maybe like you said with Adam mm-hmm. Brody, I don't think to that extent, cause I do think he is crossing line there, but there's probably some people that just thought that was the way it was in college. You bought a person a drink, this and that, but it's like, nah, if you, you really look at, that's not what you should have been doing. You should have been talking. You can, there's certain times if you're drinking, like I say, you get a number and stuff like that. Sure. But then you kind of leave it at that. You're supposed to go home. Yeah, and, you, you know, you're supposed to say, hey, you know what? You're a little too drunk. Like, yes. I think we're connecting. I think we had a great night. Let's just end it here. Like we can we can do this tomorrow. And, there's <laughs> and you know, excuses. that's the I work mature tomorrow. adult thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like I do think, too, like America especially has a really compli- complicated relationship with alcohol where. Um, you know, we do live in sort of this like Judeo-Christian society that for a long time uh, really frowned upon alcohol, particularly women drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is where some of this uh, 
stuff comes from of like, well, women aren't supposed to be drinking. Yeah. Not it's supposed like how to get shame drunk. on you for yeah, having a drink. Yeah. It's like, you're you know, be you're at that. a bar, yeah. you're trying to get men, you're trying to get laid, sex is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like all that stuff plays into um, how people view victims. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a lot of what's happening in the movie. Uh, I, I, can we talk a little bit? I, I want, now I'm ready to talk about Bo. Can we talk a little sure, bit about yeah, Bo you, you, character? you lead, yeah. <laughs> So, of course, in the movie, he comes across as like this incredibly sweet, charming guy that you feel like you went to school with. And he's just he just seems wonderful. Understanding. Like very, very empathetic, Mm -hmm. kind, uh, doesn't act like the guys that take advantage of women at all. Um, But he has some red flags in the film that I noticed. One of them is, like you said, being friends with people that did something terrible. And of course, a lot of the characters in the movie have this whole thing of like, yeah, that probably happened, but I wasn't there. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I didn't see it, which we later find out is a lie. But we've all heard that story. We've all probably had one person in a friend group, or at least I have, that did something terrible and everyone goes, oh, I don't know. I really like him. Um, he seems like such a nice guy. I've never seen that. You know, and like we we do this dance of like, I'm not that person. I just hang out with them. I would, you know, they're jerks. They're kind of jerks, but I'm not, you know. But, you know, why would you be friends with a bunch of jerks <laughs> is like a red flag number one. I always tell people like, you know, I, I like my husband's friends and he likes my friends. If you don't, this is a red flag because your friends kind of define you. I mean, you water seeks its own level, right? So why would he be hanging out with these people that are, that are terrible? Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's definitely been a thing (laughs) these past, at least for myself too, this past year and a half with COVID and certain things too, where you meet certain people or you've known certain people and you just think, can you see how they maybe are acting during this time? You go, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to stop associating myself with you or, you know, I'm not really. And, and, <laughs> I, and I think that's a good thing this movie does as well because there are times where I've been in that situation where you might hear that about a friend, but you legitimately go, oh, I don't think they'd act like that. Like I've never had that yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. And we, it's like, We've all had that yeah, friend that we're like, he wouldn't do that. Yeah, or yeah. she wouldn't do that. Yeah. We've been on both sides where we've had that and we've been on the other side where we clearly see this person as a fox in the handheld, but the other friend's like, no, no, they're fine. And you go, no, like something's wrong. And then eventually another red flag comes up and you can have that conversation with a friend. But that's something that in the even if it's not stuff like this, if it's not something very serious, you know, breaking the law, just – maybe this guy's a jerk and they might say certain things that you don't agree with. Maybe some things that are kind of inappropriate. I think that happens all in walks of life. And I, I hope now it doesn't happen to me anymore, but I'm sure it will where you meet somebody and they seem cool. And then maybe a yeah, few months I mean, or a year. You give everyone the benefit of the yes. doubt, right? Yeah. You know, you want to be kind and open hearted and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good quality to have. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in his case, he had some evidence, but the, there's a couple other things that he does in the movie too, that are bad. Um, there's that scene where they're, they're going home or they're on their way to the movie theater and he's like, Oh, what if we stop at my place? Yeah. The sneaking way where he did it too, where he's just like, Oh, this is my house right here. It's like, eh, that's, that, that seems like a setup to something else. Like usually you would say, Hey, I'm, we're walking this, my, my house is a couple blocks away. Not you walk right by your place. Like, Oh, this is my house right here. It's like, uh, I don't know about that, you know? 
Yeah, and it's like, it's not that it's wrong for him to want to sleep with her. I mean, they're both like young, beautiful people. They're attracted to each other, but it's the intent. It's strange yeah. to tell someone, hey, I'm going to take you out for a really nice night on the town and go, actually, we're already here. And then and essentially pressure them to do something else than what you agreed on. And it's a red flag for her so much so that she reacts very strongly to it. And she's just like, you know, F this. Kicks and then the he's very... Can. Yeah, he's like super apologetic and like, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. And mm, I would never do that. It was, you know, and I'm already kind of like, I don't know how I feel about that scene. Like, maybe if he were like 15, but he's like an adult, like who does that? I thought that was weird. And then the other thing I didn't like was, uh, or that seemed like a red flag to me was that when she doesn't show up for her date, I mean, granted that sucks, but he like shows up at her job. Yeah. Uh, even when she won't answer the phone. And I'm like, this is like stalking her. I mean, if she says no and she doesn't show up um, and she doesn't answer your call, let it go. I thought it was I thought that was supposed to be a red flag to the audience that, you know, in some movies that's romantic. He he shows up no matter what she says. And, you know, he he knows something else is going on. In this case, something else is going on. But that's actually in real life not acceptable if somebody is like ghosting you like you have to step back you know maybe it's not cool for them to ghost you but to show up at their job I don't know like I just I saw those things as like in hindsight when he and I kept dismissing him but in hindsight when we find out what he did I'm like you know what he's pretending to be a good person <laughs> <laughs> and actually the movie is showing us in the end that he's actually just he's not he's not a good person no i agree with both those points yeah the job thing that's that's a cue for anyone out there do not show up to someone's <laughs> yeah. job in that situation they it is not romantic for someone to show up your job when you've purposefully not answered the phone or their messages <laughs> yeah the only reason you'd have that if, if you've been with this person for a long time you have a reason to worry like hey this feels not right like if you've been with someone for like five years and you know for some oh, sure, reason sure. yeah but in this situation after a first or two dates that's not the time to show up and be like hey i just because you also <laughs> corner that person unfortunately like you they can't they don't have a situation to leave right that's the thing where right. on your phone yeah, on a date you, suspect. you can easily leave say i gotta go home and stuff but when you're at work that person is cornered and they're kind of stuck so yeah that was a sign and same thing too with the that my house is right there it's funny because if you look at the job thing and that like you brought up in a kind of flashy fun rom-com that could be like yes. a guy being like oh look my place is just right there and the girl being oh that's clever but like when it's in the real world like this that's how you can see how kind of creepy and sometimes the things can come <laughs> off and especially in her situation where she's not just maybe open to just being with anybody right now it's going to take a lot of room for trusting right so i like that you kind of take two things that in a rom-com usually that would just work right the big oh that's yes, cute he showed yeah. up he cares a lot about her but in this instance it's almost like what are you doing here why are you here like you're invading my personal space and uh but then he he, he becomes charming and he has some fun jokes and stuff like that like i like their first interaction when she spits in the coffee because yeah. it's just like another thing of like <laughs> well because that was probably another red flag of him being so judgmental about her job Oh, right away. And yeah. oh, I, I think a lot of things that he and the other people do, it's about their job. It's about their status mm -hmm. uh, in society is what helped them cover up a pretty horrific crime. So it, early on, it's kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of an Easter egg, but yeah, it, it's funny the way she gets back at him with the coffee spitting thing. And again, he's very charming and charismatic. So it's like, you're, you're just, I was ready to forgive him. I'm like, never mind. He's a good guy. <laughs> he just goofed, you know? 
Yeah, and that's the thing where I think that's the little it, it like itsy bitsy thing of it. But when she spits in the coffee, it's like I wasn't expecting that. Like I didn't see that coming. Yeah. And not typically in a rom com. No, no, not really. <laughs> you know, it would be something a bit more friendly or a bit more with a bow tie. But this is just full on. No, spits in the coffee, and then he has to drink it and everything like that. And again, he's a a bad character, but all props to him as an actor because I think he walks oh, the yeah, line really well. Yeah, and I'm sure he's like the nicest guy ever. That's probably why it's so convincing. Yeah, and especially he's nice, especially when he gets called at the end when he is on the video, his whole demeanor and everything changes. Like he becomes like this very like rightfully so, but very pathetic character. He's very whiny. He's asked her what she's gonna do. Like we could still make this work and everything like that. But then he kind of like when he throws the jaw back at her face, he says some sort of line like, "Oh, you know, you never amounted to anything," and it's just like. That also shows you a, a way it is, especially we've all probably been here through breakups and you've probably had breakups that were like the, okay, break, this didn't work out, have a good life. Or you've had the, you break and then that person turns and it's not that they became someone new. It's just that it kind of showed you her the, who they were the whole time. So when she confronts him, he is apologetic. He's freaking out. But then in the end, he's like slinging insults at her and it's like. I don't feel like one, this is the position of time you should be doing that. But then two, it just shows, yeah, you might have this good guy act, but really you're, you're a bad person. Even if he didn't do these things, even if he's just in this room, even past that, it still seems like he has ulterior motives, which we talked about. There's other signs for these ulterior motives. Right. So the, the big reveal in the film is that there was actually videotape of this. So this whole time, everyone's like, I don't really remember. He was such a nice guy. We didn't want to hurt his career. She shouldn't have got so drunk. Turns out there is full on video of this crime being committed and everyone being present in the room while it happens. And um, he's literally holding the camera. And Allison Bree is the character that feels guilty enough to come forward and say, hey, there was a videotape. So this is a huge crushing blow because not only was Nina telling the truth, but she could have had justice. You know, there was a videotape. They could have proved that these guys were bad. But everyone involved purposefully covered up the truth because of how it would affect them, how it would make them look that they were in the room and did nothing um, and how it could derail all their careers, including the most popular handsome guy at school. Um, But, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, this is where she's like, man, you know, my instincts are always right. Um, Mm. I thought it was weird. I thought it was intentional that he was part of the original friend group and I was worried he was going to turn out to be a bad guy because it's like, why would you just date someone that didn't know those people? Yeah, (laughs) It's a big enough town. Um, But I I knew that that was kind of a red flag. But then once we find out what actually happened, um, one of my theories for the way that this movie ends is that I don't think that even if she showed the police that tape, I don't know that anything would happen to anybody because... I think like the statute of limitations in California is 10 years. And I don't know how long ago what happened to Nina was. Yeah, no, I think you're probably right. And I think that's why she kind of feels she has to take it in her own hands. And and that that's a whole longer podcast for other oh, people. Oh, no kidding. You know, do I think the statute of limitations <laughs> being 10 years is just? Hell no. no. Do I think it's set up that way to protect people that commit crimes because they know people don't come forward right away? Yes. And I think the movie is also making that point that like, even with all the evidence in the world, she probably still couldn't get a conviction out of these guys. The conviction rate of people that commit crimes like this is very, 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 very slim. And she shouldn't, she certainly wouldn't get, uh, you know, everyone else involved to have a lot of ramifications at this point either. Yeah. If it's like that, it makes very little sense that 
if you were to attain new evidence, but someone would look at you, oh, well, sorry, it's been 10 years. That does not make any sense yeah. whatsoever. Only, yeah. only if it's something like murder. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's, I think that's another point the movie's trying to make is that we don't treat the crime of violence against women as serious unless they're killed. It's like we wait until it is far too late. Mm -hmm. So I think her turn at the last part of the movie where I think she went there to die. I think she knew that, you know, uh, that the, the, the killer or that the, uh, abuser was going to kill her. I think she knew that was going to happen. And I think she made it happen because she thought at least I'll have some kind of justice because at least they'll be in prison. But if she didn't do that, I don't think there's any other way that they were going to jail, even if they admitted it, even if there's a tape. That's my opinion about that. The ending of that, I think. No, I, th I <laughs> no, I think you're on to something there as far as the the seriousness of it and how they're going to look at it. because if it's murder, like you said, that's looked at obviously the biggest crime. But it's still like no, there's still many things that can hurt you and affect you. And just because it's the last resort, like you said, it's you shouldn't wait till someone's gone. That shouldn't have to be the the reason to act. Like, well, they're finally because once they're gone, they're gone. There's no fixing. There's no helping. Yes, you can catch somebody, and that's great. That's what we want, but that person that is gone, their life's taken, doesn't help them in that aspect, helps the other people around them. But yeah, that that scene is acted very well by Gary Mulligan because you get the phone. And I think at that point, most of you are kind of, okay, there's going to be something pretty damning on here. And you're just kind of waiting to see, <laughs> yeah. is it going to, you know, that's all I thought the whole time, like, is Bo Oh, Burnham. and they don't show it to you. We should point that yeah. out too. You don't see any violence in this movie until the very end. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of fake outs and... I think it's brilliant to not show what's on the videotape because I don't believe in like exploitative, uh, you know, seeing something like that on screen. So I think they did a good job. You just hear it. In fact, they never say the words rape or sexual assault. I don't think in the entire no. film. Um, and, and I think that's another good point about the movies. They're able to tapple, tackle this topic uh, without doing that. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, and that's what I was saying with them not showing that scene. That's where it comes mm -hmm. in handy of having a great actress like Carrie Mulligan because just her facial expression, yeah. how she collapses, you know right away what that tape is. You don't need to see it. You don't need to even, you don't need her to explain it to other characters. She can just say, I saw the tape and that's it. She shows it to Officer Bo Burn, but that's for a different reason. That's more for intimidation and to get what she wants, get a location. But her kind of like I said, collapsing that scene and then she's outside just sitting by herself. She sells that so painfully, and that's where it's one of these things. That there's mm -hmm. many scenes in there that are go, okay, this is why she's nominated for Best Actress. But that, to me, is maybe maybe the top one, if not one or two, 1A, 1B. and Because right away, you know. And it, it's a question that I wanted to ask you as far as if Bo Burnham wasn't on that tape, what do you think would have happened? Like, let's say he wasn't a part of this. Do you think she still would have went through what she did or because she had this lifeline of someone that was kind of helping her out? That's something I've always wondered. Like, wonder what would happen if he wasn't actually part of this? Because that's the whole movie going back and forth. Like, to me, the whole time you're wondering, like, is he on this? Is he not? Like, what's route? I, mm -hmm. I kind of thought that no matter what, once she saw that, she was going to be on that path. Because I feel like that kind of unfortunately re-energized her because anything she had heard and thought about seeing it is a thousand times worse so i think even if he was there the good guy version of this i don't think she could have he could have stopped her but do you have any take on that i think that it would have been frustrating to the audience if you know he wasn't on there and then he's like you know what let's go get him because we kind of want this to be her story yeah. and her revenge so i don't think that narratively that would have helped um and I think it's it's better that like some people feel that his character got off too easy in the movie because, you know, she's basically like, don't show up to this party. I'm going and 
you know, help me with this, this and this. So it's almost like he kind of got away with something. But I think that because she sets up like those text messages in the end, it's almost like she's threatening people from the grave. I mean, she really planned this out very well and, um, you know, executed it very well. I think that he has to live the rest of his life in fear, looking over his shoulder, wondering if there's some other text that's going to pop up or if the video is going to resurface or, you know, what's going to happen because he could still he could still get in trouble for this. If he doesn't go to jail, if that video gets out, which I feel like it probably would, um, even though she told him she threatened him with the video. But, you know, why not release the video after she dies, too? Um, even if he doesn't go to prison, I really don't think he'll be a pediatrician after that, you know, um, because he's on the tape. And if he wasn't on the tape, then, yeah, I guess he'd be OK. But, yeah, I think I think that he 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 pays enough. Um, maybe I mean, maybe I'd like to see him go to jail, too. But uh, I think that, you know, he, he still is punished in that way. And also, like. You know, she never says anything like, oh, I really loved you. Or she's just like, the second this happened, she's like, you're, you're completely dead to me. Yeah. Which I appreciate. So I don't think she did anything to protect him in any way. Like, I think she was just using him at the end. Yeah. I appreciate it. Cause yeah. I worried we could have got a five to 10 minutes kind of seen her back and forth of her struggling with, oh, there's this guy. I love what I do, but it's just, no, there's no love for you anymore because she even says that she thinks she's falling in love with them about maybe 20 minutes earlier into the film at that point. And this shows yeah. that how one, how notoriously and terrible this was but to just her kind of mindset and yeah i i do think because if the trial and everything like that i think that tape would have to resurface at some point and i think his career would be ruined so that's why when people like he was yeah because it would come up in the trial as like a motive for murder yeah especially with her phone yeah. and stuff like that so i do think that even if people think that he got off easy i i don't think that would be the case i think those texts kind of imply like i'm not really done you know and i uh, it's a it's a great ending as far as like love from you know nina and cassie and then they do that zoom in on the heart and goes to credits like just just a really nice touch there but yeah it's uh he he played the scummy character very well so he's a good actor (laughs) very very well yeah and i think like you know towards the end so like if you want to talk about a little bit about the 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 one violent scene Mm -hmm. is she's threatening the guy and you know he his arm is uh he's handcuffed or no, or is she handcuffed? Oh, oh she, man, I've only seen this once. He, he, so. <laughs> yeah, he's handcuffed to both sides because mm-hmm. she, he's like, I don't really want right, to do this, and she says, "Oh, it's for him. my safety for clients. They get too touchy." And he's like, "All right." And that—that's the thing they play. Like, I think they do a good job of. Al- I'm not sure if you've ever watched Grey's Anatomy or anything like that, but I first know this actor from Private Practice, the spinoff, and he plays this like ah. jockey, very like over the top very nice like not a bad guy or anything like that like he's just a nice goofy guy and he's also in glow as well he's the like the wrestler promoter yeah Yeah, so he he's been around like a few other places and i thought he was really good casting because he's a guy like the classic like archetype this you almost want to like him he seems nice he's even saying like hey he because they do they could have easily made it that the stripper takes him up and he wants to have an affair something like that but he right away says like i'm married i don't really want to do any of this and she says oh well i'm just doing this because i have to get paid like, okay i'll land the bed but they do a good job of the first few minutes you're meeting him he seems like a stand-up nice guy and then obviously- right exactly how how has he been getting away with what he did how was he able to convince all his friends to have his back probably because the rest of the time he seems like a great guy mm-hmm. and then but when she has when she reveals she knows a secret in the tape, um, he reacts in the way that I think she anticipated he would. He, he tries to kill her. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he kind of 
you know, almost acts like, oh, I feel bad. Oh, I didn't want this to happen. Oh, God. I thought that was another brilliant end cap to what he did initially, because it was probably the same reaction where he's like, oh, I, I I did that, but I didn't want to. What do I do now? My life's ruined. And then his friends are like, oh, we love you and we're going to take care of this. And none of us are going to say, I mean, can you believe that? His friends, none of his friends are going to say anything that he killed somebody. But I think that's the point that the movie's trying to make is that what happened to Nina was violence. Mm-hmm. And what's happening to Cassie is violence. And that, yeah, people protect people. Um, that they like even if they do something horrific so just like when he was in college all because he's popular because people like him you know they're all ready to take the hit for him killing a stripper in the middle of the woods and uh i think the way that they talk about her like oh dead stripper Mm -hmm. you know it's like again it's kind of commenting on society and how women are viewed um you know, even the fact that they're so turned on by this woman dressed like a, a nurse, you know, like all of it is just like, yikes. I mean, it's kind of just putting a spotlight on on the way women are viewed in, in certain lights. And I thought that was I don't know. I just I really liked the ending a lot. Plus, it felt spooky and eerie yeah. and and fun in a way, even though it's such a dark topic. Um, a lot of I saw a lot of criticism that her being killed at the end actually undercuts the whole film. But I don't think so. I think it's trying the film. Think of it as like an allegory almost. It's like trying to prove a point instead of just thinking of like from Cassie's perspective. It's like think of the way that these uh, the way these situations play out in real life and how they end. It's commenting on all of that. Like everything that happens is sort of a commentary on real life situations. And I think if you can kind of distance yourself a little bit and look at it that way, um, you know, maybe you don't view it quite the same way. Because uh, I had a, I, I knew somebody that was like, oh, at the end, I felt like very bleak and like there was no hope. And I was like, that's weird because I didn't feel that way. I felt kind of like she got them yeah, all. Yeah, you got yours. Yeah. Well, and that. Yeah. And yeah, it, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. I was just, oh, no. I was going to say that it, I think because I, that's the good thing about this film is how twisty it is because when this happens when she does get killed, I was like, oh, they might just end it on this bleak note and it might just be, which, unfortunately it's kind of like real life that sometimes this stuff just happens and you can't stop it and i was Mm -hmm. not worried because the film was good so i wasn't going to condemn at that point but then when she does kind of get the comeuppance it shows like okay this was kind of her choice to die it wasn't the guy got her and then i could see people making that case of i wouldn't write off as a bad movie but someone wanted to say hey what did this film accomplish go okay we could talk about that conversation but i think like you said like it's it's strange to say because the film's so dark and it's covering this topic but like you said there is a fun aspect to the scene because when she we haven't talked about this too, but they have like the title, the title cards where it's just like one, two, three. And it's like her book, how she's like uh, drawing lines in her books throughout the film. They do like one, two and three. And it's kind of fun because they do one, two and three. And it's almost like, here's your first act, second act, third act. And then when exactly. four pops up, it's almost like a, if you've ever played video games, like a mystery level or something hidden where it's like yeah. four and it's like, boom. And when toxic hits, I remember seeing this for the first time and it felt like I was watching a wrestling match. It's like, I was getting excited because like, <laughs> oh my goodness, like her, she has a theme, she has this look and it's just like, she's walking up this highway through the bushes. It's shot so well. The cabin's there. Like it has this kind of B-rate movie horror vibe yes. to that moment. So like toxic playing with the so. violin and it's just like, it had like a get excitement. I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen here and the actual like cinematography of her drug like like drugging the guys is great like her with the gum snapping the gloves like all her facial expressions like they're so good and 
like I said, they said like he seemed like an all right guy. And then when she introduces herself as Nina, the scene just has such like a stomach turning twist. Like, oh, my God. And when that happened, I thought, OK, this is her. You know, if anyone's watched her, her Dexter Morgan moment where this guy's pinned down. She's <laughs> yeah, going to kill him. Exactly. That's what I thought. too. Yeah, she's going to kill him. And there we go. We got a happy ending. And when that handcuff break and that's the thing where he kills her with the pill and that scene goes on for so long, like such an uncomfortable. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it goes yeah. on. It's so uncomfortable because you're you're just want you, sh- you don't want her to die, but you want her to not be in pain anymore. And the fact that it kind of goes on almost for over a minute of her trying to push him off, things like that. It's so tough to watch. But this is where I kind of made the Tarantino vibes where you go from like the extreme lows and darkness of this scene. You just saw this character rooting for killed in a terrible way. And then you have this very like idiot bro dude coming in like what's going on and he's like making these jokes and i think he i've never seen the show but i think he's from new girl or something and he's making all these quips and even the moment where they're like burning her body they play it off as very like dark comedy like they're playing it off like Mm -hmm. what i like about the film is she's our protagonist and then when she gets killed it kind of switches their point of view for the next 10 minutes and it seems like in a dark comedy like oh we killed a stripper what a fun night like what a wild night like they play it off like kind of commenting on like that's wrong yeah and and also you know uh yeah like i think i lost my train of thought there for a second but yeah like uh i completely agree with you and i think that you know uh that scene that goes on for so long is on purpose because i think they want you to sit with the fact that the guy doing this to her uh he's capable of this Mm -hmm. you know he can he can make all these excuses Oh, we were, you know, she was really drunk. I I was drunk. I did this. I did that. But he's, he's the kind of person that would suffocate a woman with a pillow. And that's not, you know, it's not like a lot of other horror movies where it's like immediate. And I think a lot of times violence uh, in the horror genre against women can be portrayed very flippantly. Like, you know, there's a lot of nudity. We don't always see their faces. um, And we don't care that they died. And that's actually been a, a critique of the horror genre for a long time in the way that it, it handles uh, female characters that get killed. In this movie, we've gotten to know Cassie the entire movie, and then her death is very violent and tragic and long. It's not an exciting thing to watch. It's painful for us to watch. And I think that that's on purpose. It's sort of commenting on how female death has been handled in other cinema and just, again, uh, the guy doing it, You know what kind of person he is. Well, no, he at any time could have taken that pillow away if he had second thought, but he didn't. Oh, yeah. No. And it it (laughs) shows, too, if he did this, like what else is he capable of? Right. Exactly. Like, yeah, he's a sadistic person. Like he's the kind of person that would assault somebody with cameras rolling i mean that this guy's he's garbage yeah you know and then and, and then they uh, play it off still like like i said when they're at the force like they're just throwing the oh, watches yeah. it's very careless but then like i said they make his friend like very kind of slapsticky like when he reacts to the body as a big jump and that's where they kind of almost try to not desensitize it in a way for us but for them to kind of think it's oh it's just yes. another day it's showing how how little they view the situation yes. they, they don't think it's a big deal and then uh when the when the scene happens at the wedding it's just so beautiful like to me like this guy you know this guy's whole reason for you know existing is to be popular well liked and to get whatever he wants and uh that is his downfall you know he um he wanted to silence cassie he silenced nina um you know not physically but through social pressure and in the end you know it's his own actions it's not something she did she didn't 
just catch him. She didn't force him to do something. He killed her. And so he's going to prison for his crime. So I think to me, that's what, what makes it like the perfect ending is like he gets to truly pay for his actions that he did. You know, somebody didn't have to make him do that. He did that. I, I just think that's poetic justice. Yeah, and, you know? I- and like everyone involved, of course, is also going to do some time because they're involved in a murder now. And I also wonder, too, if you do the what is scenario of because she's kind of threatening him, saying, I'm going to carve Nina's name all over your body and stuff like that. Right. And then mm-hmm. obviously breaks the cuffs. Everything happens. But I almost wonder if he didn't react or didn't let that happen. What would happen the same way with Melina? She kind of seemed like she was prepared to send that guy to get beat up. Now, I think this guy yeah. always had a bad path, but maybe she would have just said, Hey, you got to admit what you've done and do some time or something like that. But obviously this guy's exactly, a monster. Yeah. So I, I, I still feel like <laughs> she was maybe still going to give him him out though, because he yeah. could easily push her off and just said, don't do like he didn't, he could have, you know, if you are, even if this is a terrible guy and he's about to get carved up with a scalpel, he could have, powered her away and not kill her though that's the thing where he could have exactly he wanted her to never say what she yes and i feel like she's almost setting him up for that too as far as like not that she wants him to redeem but just like prove that you're not prove that this maybe was one time they prove that you're not a complete monster because maybe you know you just go to prison maybe you get to keep your life maybe there's something else but it's like no she sets him up to okay i think you're a monster this is what you'll do and unfortunately he does it fortunately for her because she gets to set him up and you know, we get this like, <laughs> like the music that hits everything. And my favorite moment, like again, a black comedy moment, is when his friend, like the police, are showing up. They're in the middle of the ideas and everything like that. And when his friend sees the cop, he just runs away, like through yeah, the wedding, like, like through the, the woods. Leaving. It's like, where is he going? Where is he gonna go? But I just love the second cop's noise. Like, okay, I'm out of here. And that's what I mean. That there's moments in these very dark movie that are levity. And I think that you. You do need this. Now, there's like I said, talked about before this movie, Shame. There's no levity at all. And that's me where it's like you're feeling everything that Michael Fassbender is going through because he's struggling with sexual addiction. It's like, how do I, this is ruining my life? What do I do? There is very little levity. But I think in this movie, they do it so well and she does so well as director. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it's, and then that moment, just the texts and the music. And it's just, it's kind of a perfect, it's a perfect ending to this movie. I, I, I loved it. Yeah. And there's a level to this too. Remember, these people are extremely privileged. They're affluent. Mm -hmm. They're like at a certain strata of society where like their entire, you know, presence and, 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 you know, their status is so important to them. So like, what could possibly be worse than them being arrested at a funeral? Like, first of all, they never expect to be arrested for anything. (laughs) They're kind of, you you get the, the feeling because of their their careers yes. uh, that they, they make the kind of money where, you know, they could get out of pretty much anything that they do. Which they probably have. And yet, yeah, exactly. And I think that's why, you know, the, the title of it sort of being based on uh, Brock Turner a little bit is because, yeah, that's those kind of college situations. And the fact that it takes place at a college, you know, when the college is, especially it can happen at any college, but especially when it's like an Ivy league school and everyone's so important and he's so popular and so rich, it's like that plays a part in, you know, uh, swaying people and justice not happening. And so I think it's, it's pretty smart to, to use all those situations in this movie. I think they did a really good job with that. And, and it's still, it's like you said, it's funny. It's fun. It's exciting. It's a thriller. I think, I think it's all those things. And, 
uh, I think it, it tells the story really well. And, you know, I'm going to go down in history, I guess. Maybe I'll regret this in a year or two or something. But for now, I, I mean, I defend it as I think it is pretty feminist. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that's one of the good things about this movie is it creates a conversation for multiple ways. One, just about what we talked about earlier, real world alcohol, sexual abuse, sexual assault, everything like that. But then, too, just as far as the movie, you can, you know, dislike certain ways in this movie, but it you could challenge someone on it and have a conversation about it and why they feel that sure, way. And yeah. I think that's some of the best movies where when you are talking about them years from now, and I think this is a movie too, because it's coming out in a strange time. I know there's lots of people that still haven't seen it, not even because the subject matter, but just because they didn't have theaters open or they didn't know if they want to rent. They want to wait for streaming. And I think it's a movie that throughout the years, I'm very interested to see kind of the commentary evolve on it and talk more about it. And I think there's going to be times, unfortunately, where this movie is going to become very relevant and people are going to show this up and that, you know, which is a good thing for this because they are doing something that is noteworthy. It's not just a good movie you could enjoy and watch. It does have a Yeah, message. it's social commentary yes. as well. Yeah. And to me, it, it's, I, I guess it's just maybe just life experiences as far as things that you talk about Brock Turner, but just people in the world where it just, it, it doesn't feel like one of those social commentary movies where it just feels like you plucked a few themes and you're trying your best. This feels very personal. This feels like it has a message, but it's not, it's not in the way of throwing in your face, just saying, Hey, look at it from this perspective and look at all the ways that it could be wrong. You know, because like we talked about yeah. with the people using money with the education system, with the legal system, it kind of hits multiple. It takes more than just one thing to create a problem like this. And maybe that's something you should look at down the line, you know? Exactly. That, you know, some people had the criticism that, you know, they, it should have been told from the, the perspective of Nina because she's the victim. And I understand that for sure. Like, I, I completely understand that. But at the same time, I think the point is that uh, there's a ripple effect when something yes. like this happens. And she's not the only victim, really. Uh, her family, they're victims. Uh, Cassie's a victim. And it's about about all that, you know, about all the connections that are uh, connected to one thing. And so I think that's why it's not told from that perspective, because she's going after everybody else that uh, was on the sidelines and not just the main person. And also, like, you know, I was relieved when I watched it that it wasn't about a, a lady sleeping with guys and then, like, disfiguring them or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Because, you know, not only is that cheesy but also it, it undercuts the importance of what the, the movie's trying to talk about i think and i think there were some guys i saw that were like oh i'm not going to watch that it's just going to be about how like all men suck hashtag all you know not all men but the thing is the point of the movie it's like yeah not all men commit these crimes you know only that one guy in the movie was vile enough to do what he did and arguably even some of the other guys that were doing almost doing something they didn't really do it right but the point is that there's so much more in play enabling people that commit these crimes covering for them mm. protecting them and preventing people from getting preventing victims from having justice and i think nina's character even though she's not present in the film because she's gone she kind of looms over the entire film almost like a ghost and uh I think that's another thing too. Like who's going to be the voice for the voiceless and Cassie's character. She's the voice for the voiceless. You know, she's, she's uh, carrying that torch and speaking for, for uh, Nina who could not speak for herself anymore. So who had probably tried mm -hmm. so many times and just wasn't heard. And so she's kind of taking up that torch and, and doing that. So I think, I mean, I think that those things are a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've heard that criticism and I, I understand it, but I, I just think 
it's okay to tell stories in different ways. And this particular story, it's really focused on almost like everybody else, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, of course, you know, like I said, not all men. Yeah. I, not all men, of course not. <laughs> but the problem is that the rest of us need to step up when something does happen, you know? And I think that's the point the movie's trying to make. Well, it it's just they should have turned on him. You know, they should have been like, Hey, this guy's a piece of crap. <laughs> and you know, the school doesn't need a, a, a horrible assaulter and you know in the school uh he should be in prison mm -hmm. like you know all those things it's, but we don't do those things so often so yeah it's a yeah. it's a strange outlook people have when they do the not all men thing and stuff like that it's just i i've never watched this movie or any movies like this that might have a message against someone that is you know higher up or a rich straight white guy i've never looked at it and been like you know what they're taking shots at me and everyone i know yeah because they're not they're taking shots at somebody who is cruel and a, an abuser yeah like, and i'm not saying hopefully you don't identify with that well, yeah and i'm not saying people <laughs> identify that but maybe they kind of know someone that they feel has that vibe like we talked about earlier maybe they give yeah, them the pass true. or maybe they don't press them and it just to me it's just yeah maybe it's uncomfortable to see it because you're like did i do that did i or maybe if i you know i didn't do something like that maybe i was friends with someone like yeah that and or, i think that's why yeah. like technically this is about social commentary but it is a fictional tale there's things i'm sure that are based in real life there are we've talked about them but these exact circumstances as far as these characters they are fictional but that's where it goes okay it's telling a story talking about some themes i don't know why this kind of upsets you so much and the same when you're talking about like the perspective of the story i think that's why for me and that's why when we talked about diversity earlier too with the oscars and stuff like that i want these stories because this is a story that i couldn't experience because like i talked about earlier i am a straight white male but that's why also for directors writers i remember the first time when i saw wonder woman it was like yeah there's been other superhero female ones but that was primarily lots of men writing them directing them this one felt like okay this has a different perspective and i quite like this because sometimes people i guess feel the need like they have to see themselves in these stories and that's great mm -hmm. if it can happen. i mean it's natural right yeah. we insert ourselves yeah. in, into stories we we tell our own stories best mm -hmm. yeah but that's why i do like mm -hmm. the other side where it's like i'm seeing stories of people whether it is a venture of trying to save the world or whether it's something terrible like this where it is okay i can't understand this at least this might help me a little bit or i can have a conversation like i'm having with you or other people where it's like okay let's talk yeah. about this more where if like if i just watch every movie that's about a guy like me that's the exact same there's no problems i don't like that's not interest me as far as film you know and that that's fine if that's what floats your boat in film you don't really want to be challenged that's fine but i think this film challenges you but it's also entertaining it's not what we talked about before where it could just be very it could there's a version of this film that is just pure darkness pure no levity and that's fine sometimes you can make these those films can't work i'm not condemning them but i think this film's strengths are a lot of those reasons we talked about earlier as far as having a fun aspect having some dark comedy having pop and i i just don't see if people kind of write off as like oh the all male bad thing it's just like well that that just because that does does that mean like if the avengers has a male bad villain you go well look they're showing all these men they must exactly be like, no, how come i think they're just not used to seeing it yes. like that doesn't yeah it shouldn't threaten them and then i have heard women say that like on tiktok and stuff that um they don't like the way it ends because you know they they felt as 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 victims they want to see somebody get that revenge mm -hmm. and get that satisfaction and by her being killed it's like hard for them to watch and i i don't know where to put that yet um i totally understand what they mean but uh you know i'm, I'm kind of i kind of wrestle with that a little bit because you know and they said this, this isn't the movie i was promised because the trailer 
portrayed one thing, which I will say a lot of times the directors don't have a lot of say over what gets in the trailer. That's all what's going to put butts in seats. And I think to the trailer company, it's like sexy lady killing men, you know? And so uh, it may have set up some expectations that when you go see it, and if that's what you were seeing it for and it disappoints you, I mean, yeah, I can understand that, you know, so it's like, I'm, I'm kind of torn on my thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that the trailer expectations have maybe set some people up to really not enjoy the film. And that's kind of unfortunate. It's funny. I should actually, I've never seen the trailer. I think after this podcast, I'm going to go watch because I've still never seen it. So I don't, I don't know that, but I think the two things I would throw at that is one, like you said, directors don't often get to pick it and also a new time director like this is her first big feature film she's not gonna have much sway and two it's been tough when i recommend to people and luckily i recommend to people and they just trust me and i know what they like because i can look at someone and say hey this isn't for you you know this i, I tell my grandma I go, you know what? you're probably not gonna enjoy this film this person's life i don't know it so what could it be but that's where yeah. it's good all these situations you should talk about because there's not one story there's not one perspective there's not one person's journey as far as this happened it's all the same cases are always different mm-hmm. if you're expecting a specific outcome to this movie and it is also deeply personal to you that that outcome be that way mm-hmm. yeah I don't, I don't i don't have an answer to that yeah. that's kind of like that made that made me rethink it you know a little bit i was like hmm it's above my pay grade <laughs> um, i still like the movie but you know i i can understand how they feel and and their feelings are valid mm-hmm. you know so yeah well, uh, was there anything else that we haven't talked about in the movie yet? No, I think we, we hit everything. Yeah, it. I think we did it. We, we <laughs> talked about a lot of stuff. Just uh, It was a very good conversation, so I'm glad because I hadn't done it on Geek First or Geek Called the Lion, so because it's a heavier movie and I saw you'd seen it, I was like, oh, I hope she's not going to talk about it with anyone oh, yeah. else, and then we started talking about this stuff. <laughs> and it was good to find I think about. You know, in some ways like it's good, too, to uh, for my guest to be a white male. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and, you know, to, to discuss it with a woman because I think that, uh, you know, we have two different perspectives on it as well. And, um, yeah, I mean, we both really enjoyed it. And I'm glad we kind of got to talk about, you know, some of the controversy and also, you know, some things that people are afraid of seeing. Like, I know I have friends that I feel like they're really afraid to see it because they don't want to see uh, assault. Mm-hmm. You know, the good thing is you don't see that in this movie. And I think that's one thing the movie does really well is not show that. Um there is only one violent scene. And I know some people have said too, like, oh, it's about violence against women, but they show violence against women. And I'm like, well, it, it, yes, but I think it's timed and shown in a way that has impact is different from gratuitous violence. But yes, that's in the eye of the beholder, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, depending on how you view that. So um, anyway, before I go on too long, <laughs> uh, I guess I've only seen this movie once. I really wanted to see it again this week and it just wasn't going to happen because this week was crazy. But how many times have you seen this? I've seen it four times. Whoa. Yeah, I quite enjoyed it because I saw, yeah, I saw the first time alone and I saw the fiance and then I did watch it. Uh, one time after that, and then one more time just to prep for this. But I, 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 I really enjoyed. It. I, like I said, the I'm a sucker for these type of very character driven. It's just this person's story. I like tragic it. heroes too. Yes. You know, yeah. like I like that. I like for me where some people see that as like a flaw or she doesn't get a revenge. I want tragic heroes, so I, I like mm-hmm. that that she's like that. Sorry, I feel like I interrupted. But no, 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 no. That's okay. good. No, and I, I okay. probably will. Sorry. I probably will at some point. I don't know. I know the Oscars this weekend, like we talked about before, goes back and forth with my feelings too. But I, I'm very much pulling for her. I, I like a lot of the performances in there, but I think she's just 
did a really good job with this. So yeah, I know it's a movie that, uh, and there was still, even with COVID, there was lots of great movies last year with soul. Oh yeah, there, there were, I saw yeah. a lot of them. I was surprised when I was looking through the catalog of like the nominees, I'm like, Oh no, I haven't seen any of these, but I had seen quite a few actually. Mm. So and it's just cause I think last yeah. year was a weird year that movies were so jumbled and moved around, but it's one of those things that this is, and this is a movie I think, like I said, in a few years, I think it's always going to come back up. I think more people are going to appreciate it and see it. And when, unfortunately there'll probably be another situation of sexual assault and people can kind of show this movie and talk about it and stuff like that and that's not the be all end all there's a legal system things you need to do but lots of time people look towards art for answers or for comfort or how should i feel about this and like you said you know if anyone listening to this point hadn't seen the movie you know straight white males regular males whoever you are alien males doesn't matter it's it's okay to see this movie like it's something that you should know if you have that approach of you know oh not all you know all men bad or whatnot i don't want to be preached to yeah. and it's like it's really not doing that it's no. like i guess it's it's getting its message across in a very clever way and it's in a very interesting way and maybe in a under a few perspectives that you haven't thought of before well, and I, but i don't think it would make most people uncomfortable in that way no. like oh i'm being preached to like i I don't think you should would feel that and way. To me, the, it didn't come across oh, that yeah. way. To and me. that to me is the, some of the best art. That's why for me, I I have Black Panther as my favorite MCU movie because there's times where I said in my review when we do Geek First where as a white person I felt uncomfortable, but it's because of shining a light on our society and what has we've done yeah. and stuff like that. And that's where it's like, I want things to challenge me because of course, yeah, I love putting on just a pop. I can watch Fast and Furious. I love when there's just race cars going on, but I all, yeah, I, I love <laughs> maybe the next day, next week. Okay. I want to be challenged. I want to learn something. And same thing because of my life experience, I know certain things about this perspective, but this helps. And I think it just hits, like we said, talked about a lot of different society things and it's, it's a great film. Yeah. It's fun to watch and it's thought provoking. Mm-hmm. And what can, what more can you ask exactly. for? And, and, and again, yeah, don't, don't let, preconceptions hold you back i say just go for it um yeah uh the pitch for the movie i guess would be like hey it's nominated for some oscars <laughs> yeah and it's really fun and it is like probably if not my favorite movie from 2020 it's one of my favorites mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah no if i had a pitch i would just say uh, as i've pitched it before i would say a thriller that's unexpected that you don't want to know anything about just go into it you don't need to look into the politics you don't need to look into this or that that takes i feel watch for yourself and decide at that point mm-hmm. and at the end of all like i said the very beginning of this podcast even setting aside the themes it's just great performances great dialogue great writing great shots great soundtrack it right. just has kind of all the gears for just a good enjoyable movie and then there's like you said can be informed as well so that's to me kind of the home run yep Totally agree. Well, Travis, uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Travis B. Snail. Like I said, I usually tweet out my podcast links for what I'm doing and just general random stuff. And uh, yeah, I hope everybody that listened to this enjoyed this and is happy and safe and healthy and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me on because uh, I love doing this. I had a great time last time and all the other times we've podcast. So it's always, always a pleasure talking to you because we actually haven't haven't podcasted in a little bit so it was nice to catch I know. up so it's been <laughs> i've been busy oh but yeah me too <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we i'm glad we got some time to podcast together for sure thank you so much again for coming on thank you for having me on your show and definitely look forward to podcasting with you again mm-hmm. so thanks so much 